Right here we go, and we are back. Welcome to Rankable episode 35. I'm your host as usual, Jared Thomas, Senior Account Executive at iPool Rank. Uh, our co-host, usual co-host, Chantel Branch is on vacation, so shout out and happy birthday to her. I've got a new co-host, you know him, founder of iPool Rank, you know, Managing Director, Michael King. What's going on, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> chilling, chilling, man, how you? Doing good, man. Glad to have you on, man. Glad there's been a, it's been a few episodes, it's been a while, man. Yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> yeah. So we've got, so for all the viewers listening out today, so we have a great, great episode planned out for you guys. And what today's topic is how to foolproof your site for a Google update. And we have a special, special guest today. So she's well known throughout the SEO community, revered as one of our thought leaders in the space. She's spoken at major SEO conferences, events such as PubCon, MozCon, and many others. She's also a full-time DJ and drummer, has 10 plus years of experience in SEO community, and currently is the Senior Director of SEO at, Ma at Massive Digital. I'd like to introduce our special guest, Lily Ray. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Yeah, yes. We need to take it to another wow, level. Wow, I need one of those. <laughs> That's awesome. how you to the max, baby. Amazing. <laughs> so, Amazing. I appreciate you, Lily. Thank you for joining. Um, I was definitely really excited to have you on and excited to learn from you, learn from you both. So just to kind of start it off, um, I will uh, usually ask this every question before we, we usually get into the topic of the discussion. So, you know, how did you get into the industry and, you know, why are you so passionate about SEO? And that's a, for both of you. I'd love to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's starting to feel like an ancient history for me. <laughs> I, was, I was really young when I got in. I was uh, still at, at NYU. I think I was a junior at NYU. And mm -hmm. um, it was like the financial recession of 2008. Nobody was getting jobs. I was majoring in political science and I thought I was going to go to law school or whatever. And I found an SEO job on Craigslist and I didn't really know what it was, but I was like, I'm good at tech. I'm from a tech family. <laughs> so I just like went into it and suddenly I was like making money at a job, which was unheard of in those days because nobody was getting paid for anything. Uh, and I was like, I think I'm just going to not go to law school and do this instead. And that's how I started. The rest is history. <laughs> how about you, Mike? Me, um, I got into a bike accident, which is another reason why I don't <laughs> want to pay or I don't want to put my bike back together myself. Um, yeah, you know, I got into a bike accident. I was I was making music at the time, and that's a, another thing all three of us have in common, making music. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I needed a job. The first place to hire me was an SEO agency because of my dev background. So... Uh, I would just keep my job until my bosses would piss me off and then I would go back on tour. And then at a certain point, I was like, well, if I stick with this, maybe I'll make some real money. And here we are. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and I, I'll definitely tell you guys mine too. So I was like halfway in my career. I was at a terrible position. I was, remember I was bringing up product to market and it was like, all right, this can't work. And I just started applying to every single thing. It was a SaaS platform for SEO. I said, damn, I don't want to do it, but I had to. <laughs> it was the best opportunity at the time. And then once I got there, I, I ended up loving it. And here we are at iPool rank, but um, let, let, let's get into it though. So I would love to, you know, so our topic today is how does it foolproof for Google updates? So anybody is watching, as you know, Google comes up with updates throughout the year that could negatively, negatively impact your domain. And what we're gonna do is just kind of go through some of those steps. How can you be proactive? What actions can you you know, implement on the site? And really how can you make sure that you get that traffic and you make that revenue? So we'd love to know from you both, like what, what are some actionable items that SEOs can do to kind of foolproof their site today for the Google core updates that are coming in the pipeline? Yeah, big question. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's important to first start by defining 
what types of updates happen throughout the year. I think yeah. that like in May, there's this big looming update that I'm sure we'll talk about the core web vitals of page experience update. Um, so that's more of a technical update that pertains to how people engage with the site, how quickly the site loads, performance metrics. And then there's the whole conversation about AMP. So what should you be doing with AMP pages, assuming that you use those, Kill they're no fire. longer. Yeah, they're no longer going to be required for top stories, which is pretty exciting for some publisher websites. Um, but I tend to talk a lot about Google's core updates, which are like the big algorithm updates that they roll out several times per year, which are more mysterious in nature. Um, so I think we'll talk about that. But Mike, what do you what do you have to add to that? Um, I don't really care about updates. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Classic. No, they don't affect me. <laughs> No, I, I think that, you know, it, it is, of course, something you want to be mindful of, read all the analyses when they come out and so on. But like, as long as you already have a roadmap of doing things the right way, updates sure. shouldn't really like bother you too much, right? Like you should already have a site that's fast. You should already have a site that's mobile friendly. You should already be, you know, making content that people actually want that's authoritative and so on and so forth. So when people are like, oh, algorithm updates. Yes, of course, if there's a client that is deficient in these things, mm -hmm. we continue to prioritize and so on. But generally speaking, I don't really worry about updates that much. That's a good point. I think it's it's really important to clarify to your point, Mike, like uh, especially working at an agency, not all my clients and all of our clients are affected by the core updates. Mm -hmm. It's like a certain type of site that tends to be affected. And in many cases, to your point, they have done something maybe that's like, some somewhat against the guidelines or fully against the guidelines or they've been doing something like spammy or manipulative in the past. Yep. So yep. I think if you have been doing things right consistently for a long time, maybe you won't feel the impacts as much. And we have a lot of clients that fall into that category, but a lot of the clients that come to us have maybe for, you know, intentionally or not broken the rules a little bit. So <laughs> we, we like to clean those things up. Totally. And uh, like, I'm curious, though, like, what would you prioritize? So like you guys hit on a great point. So at the end of the day, like if you guys are doing the right things in terms of making sure your your site is, you know, visible, making sure that it's performing well, make sure the site speed. Like if I'm a new SEO starting in a new role, what would I prioritize, you know, over the other? Would I prioritize site speed, content performance, keywords? Like what would I what would I really focus on? Um, it depends. <laughs> and yeah. I'm saying it depends. I, I really like I have a whole the whole intro in my book is like, don't say it depends. Like, what does it depend? <laughs> anyway. right, right. Um, so for me, I would say in the case of site speed, it's something that everyone's going to prioritize right now because of the fact that Google is saying like, hey, we're about to drop this hammer and what's going to happen to you? And the reality of it is like, again, you should have already been talking about site speed because site speed is something that everyone feels like yeah. if you go to somebody and be like, yo, your site is slow. They'd be like, I know. What can we do? <laughs> and now it's like, OK, now you've got the ear of people because of the fact that, um, you know, they see that Google is saying something. So now they're going to finally like move on it. But generally speaking, it, it really just comes down to what's going to be the most valuable to the website. Like in a lot of cases, you know, you've got a website that, that's otherwise optimized. It is fast. Okay, then yes, focus on content or right. it's yeah. fast, that's great content, but no links and focus on link building. So it's always going to depend on the actual situation for the site. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. I think... Uh... <clears throat> a lot of clients come to us expecting like a templatized roadmap of <laughs> things that we're going to do. That's like, 
repeatable process that we do for all sites. And it just doesn't work like that. Uh, every single site, especially now, like given how much history a lot of these domains have, you know, if you've been doing something, if you've had five different SEO agencies working on your site over the last 10 years, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of like work to potentially clean up or like eliminate or change. And so I think uh, it always depends on how old the domain and the website is, what platform it's on, what are what's the history of the site, what issues are they having? So it's we fully, I'm sure you guys are the same, but like we fully customize everything depending on the client's needs. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Absolutely makes sense. And I would love to go into to the mobile only indexing, right? That Google's rolling up. So that's something that's being rolled out. It's actually supposed to be rolled out this month. Or I think it may already been rolled out. So if you guys don't mind, could you explain to the listeners, you know, what is the Google only mobile only indexing mean? And what kind of predictions do you have as far as what impact it could have to SEO strategies moving forward? So it hasn't been rolled out. Um, uh, John Mueller said a couple of days ago or a week or so ago that there's still trying to figure out how to move, you know, certain sites over. So they haven't rolled it out um, at scale. But I actually wrote a blog post about this a couple of weeks ago as well. And kind of like raising the flag, like, yo, I think this is going to be a big problem because there's still a lot of websites out there that are showing something significantly different, whether it's in their content, their internal links, and in some cases, their indexability or even response codes based on the device that they come to the site with. So um, that's a problem because like, all right, if you've got all this content that's shown on desktop and it's no longer going to be available once Google starts crawling mobile only, then mm -hmm. that's going to impact your ability to rank because they're just not mm -hmm. going to see that content. So that's the long and short of it from my perspective. Yeah. You know, Mike, the first time we spoke together was about the same topic. Was it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> like mobile first indexing. And it was a uh, 2018. The Botify of it? Yeah, we were talking yeah. about that was the first time I think Google announced mobile first indexing. Mm -hmm. And now it's like mobile only indexing, which I think they maybe like backtracked on that phrase a little bit because it's scary mm -hmm. sounding. But yeah. um, the same idea has been true for the last few years, years, which is that Google is going to be crawling with a mobile user agent for its primary crawler. And so it's not like it basically just means that your site needs to be as usable and high quality and have all the great content available and everything via a mobile device. So again, it's something that you probably should have been focusing on for the past couple of years. Um, yeah. And I, Mike, your article was really interesting because you had such a high percentage of sites that still were crawled with a desktop crawler as the primary yeah. crawler. Yeah. We don't really see that as much as our clients. So I was curious, like, what types of sites are you seeing that for? Uh, that was across the board. Like some of them were e-commerce, some of them were like media publisher. Uh, I think I showed four different ones, and another one. I think the other one was e-commerce too. So yeah, most interesting, interesting. Yeah, most of our sites got switched over a couple of years ago. So hopefully, it won't be too big of a change. But I'm sure a lot of sites will feel the change and then. Uh, be picking up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know how to reach us. And, yeah, exactly. And also Lily. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Either way, it's all good. Yeah, we actually have a few questions. So shout out to, to everybody who's viewing. Uh, so Doc Sheldon, that's the first one up top. So hey, Doc. Mike and Lily says, do you feel like a lot of people are over anticipating the effect that CWV will bring in May? Yes, hundred. You know, I you know my answer to that. hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, like, so. I think it's going to be really similar to quote unquote mobile getting when everyone like was like, Oh, let me hurry up and switch to mobile <laughs> friendly. And then like the net impact wasn't that big, but I think what where we're really going to see 
impact is going to be in the publishing space, specifically around cumulative layout shift, because all of those sites do that thing where the ads pop up and it pushes things around and they're going to get so much pushback from their ad sales team and mm. just like the revenue part of the business that they're not going to want to make those changes around CLS. So I think those sites are going to get crushed. Once that yeah, happens. that's a really great point. I think that's, that's absolutely the one place that I think or the one niche that I think people should be focused on core web vitals to the extent that the SEO industry has kind of blown it out of proportion mm -hmm. for sites where you physically can't use the content because things keep moving around. Yes, that's a problem. That's I'm glad that Google's cracking down on it because it's a really bad experience for users as well. But so many SEOs and so many sites right now are so obsessed with core web vitals, almost to a point where it's like, are you focusing on the content on your website? Because that's actually, <laughs> there's a lot of opportunity there. Maybe something's not right there. Um, so I think it depends on your niche. I think it depends on your competition. If your competition sites are loading much more quickly and have much better usability than yours, then it's definitely something to focus on. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, yes, publisher sites should definitely focus on, on CLS. And I also think that the AMP update that's being tied into the Core Web Vitals update is very, very interesting. Uh, we have some publisher clients who don't want to use AMP, like philosophically, they just don't want to use it. Um, so it's actually kind of nice in the sense that maybe they'll be able to rank in top stories on mobile when this all happens, but we'll see how that all pans out. Yeah. yeah the thing about AMP and, and them making this shift now, it just like, it ruins our credibility because, you know, they came out with AMP and they were like, yeah, this is the way that we're going to go. If you want to be in mobile, you have to do this. Da, 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 da. And now they're rolling it back. And so it's just another instance mm. where we've pushed all these companies to do a thing. And then Google was like, ah, you don't actually have to do that. Yeah, like schema. Like, can we yeah. talk about like schema Smart. recently? Structured data testing tool? Are you serious? Mm -hmm. Are you serious? Because like, didn't you just tell us for years that we should be marking things up and like everyone learned how to mark everything up and they're like, it's fine. You actually don't need 80% of that site. Just use the rich results <laughs> testing tool. What? Like, what? And like to, to your point, people take us less seriously because yeah. it's like you just said to do this thing and now you're changing it. I'm like, we didn't set the rules. We're just following the rules. Yeah, it's funny, though, when you think about it, right? Like, think about how bad Google would be if SEOs didn't do the job they do. Like, we are such a large driver of search quality. Like, mm. they, they can't do it without us. So it's very much a symbiotic relationship. But at the same time, it's like being in a bad relationship because, you know, they'll just keep beating us up and we keep coming back. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think uh, to that point, there's SEOs that channel the same messages that Google tends to channel. And obviously, I'm one of those people. I, I tend to abide by the policies and the guidelines that Google puts out there. And I, my clients are very successful. So for, you know, maybe it's a coincidence, but like it tends to work for us. There's a lot of SEOs that see things completely the opposite perspective where it's like, Google's lying, it's propaganda, and we should just try all the gimmicks and hacks and just spam everything because that also works until it doesn't. <laughs> so depends what SEOs you're talking about. <laughs> I, I'm not talking about any SEOs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you on that. And, I want that. and shout out to Altravito too. He actually had a question too. And thank you for all the comments and questions. You guys are amazing. So tips for how to win and to use Crux to quantify risk exposure to core web vital updates. What? 
<laughs> I was going to say, Mike, you can take that one. The tip, tips for when, how and when to use Crux to quantify, quantify risk exposure to CWV update. Oh, the the uh, the Crux metrics. Yeah. Um, I don't know. When they're bad, fix them. Like, what do you want me to say? Yeah, just use what's in Search Console. <laughs> no, nah, like, so so the, the Crux metrics that you get from the variety of tools, like... Um, lighthouse and so on like they're they're diagnostic tools so like in most cases they're giving you um what's wrong with respect to like is are things slow and so on and then it, it kind of tells you what to do but the thing is is that with tools like lighthouse and so on developers never want to want to hear us like hey here's a screenshot from lighthouse or here's a screenshot from PageSpeed insights they want some ideas of what to actually do you know, right. and so that really comes down to, um, you know, either working directly with a developer on your side. And so you can figure out like, OK, how do I interpret this? Because if you just say like, oh, yeah, remove your render blocking JavaScript. Like, <laughs> come on, dog. Like, you're not, you're not telling me what to do. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it really just comes down to like your understanding of how a site is built, your understanding of things like JavaScript and so on, and how you can work with those organizations to like give them something that's more actionable. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, it's actually, that raises a really good point about where SEO fits into those conversations, because one thing that a lot of like kind of novice SEOs will do is they'll run a page or a site through these tools the tools come back with a bunch of recommendations and then they'll go flag that to the client who in many cases also manages the web development team who's 100% aware of performance issues. Like that's their job. My brother's a web developer. All he does all day is optimize websites for page speed. Like that's literally his job. So like when an SEO comes in and they're like, remove render blocking resources, he's like, F off, like, honestly, like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, I built this website. There's other contingent, like, factors that you have to consider that you have absolutely no idea. So it's really important just from, like, a political angle to make sure that you don't just come in there with a laundry list of things that need to be fixed when you don't have the full context. Or you can talk to the developer and be like, hey, can we talk about what the report says and, like, what's feasible to change for the client? Because these are the things that would potentially present an opportunity for fixing the site or improving the site's performance. We have to be careful. Yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. And, and shout out to Holly too. Holly, how are you? She was actually a former. She came on um, Rankable before, so we miss hey, you Holly. here. Um, she has a question for both of you. So, what's your respective take on whether or not Google sends X percent of traffic to other sites besides its own properties? Of course, you went there, Holly. Come on. <laughs> oh, it's a big, big debate. Um, I've been deliberately quiet about this topic, but I do think that, yes, of course, Google sends more traffic to sites than ever, ever before, and the number increases every year, of course. Does the percentage ratio of no clicks, no click traffic increase at the same time? Probably. Is that detrimental to publishers? In some cases, yes, always, no. Are there certain facts and figures that are public information and that Google has every right to serve up in the search results? Yes. So it's a very nuanced and complex conversation, but I don't know, Mike, if you have other thoughts on it. Uh, I mean, my first thought is that it's Google's website. They can do whatever they want. So if they want to send less clicks to somebody, okay. Yeah. Like we gotta, we gotta diversify our traffic sources and never be so reliant on you know, Google. And the reality of it is when you think about publishers, they are so reliant on Google. 
So um, it, it kind of begs the question of things like, you know, monopolies and so on, things like that. But that's not my problem. My problem is how do we drive more traffic? And right now mm-hmm. what we're seeing is the data is indicating that Google is in often is oftentimes not driving as much as we expected or what they drove before. And so when when I sit here and I read what Rand had to say and I read what Danny had to say, um, it, first of all, I love Danny Sullivan. He's done great things for me in my career, but that blog post was a bit much for me. <laughs> I was like, this is this is crazy. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, um, I think the, the bigger picture is like, okay, what are we actually seeing and what are we going to do about it? Yeah. And again, I think it really just goes back to if you're a business that is so reliant on Google, what can you do to drive more traffic? Is it build up the mailing list? Is it, you know, get more users logged in or get more users with the, um, with those like uh, notifications. So when you publish something, they see it and they end up coming back. I don't think it's something that we have to solve as SEOs. I think it's something that we have to solve as marketers. And so what is it going to take to do that? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And they give us tools too. So like, you know, in the example, there was one example that I shared maybe two years ago when FAQ schema was like drastically increasing impressions from my client while simultaneously decreasing clicks. So that's a decision that you have to make as an SEO and as a marketer is to say, like, maybe that's not the best use of schema for my site because it's actually cutting into traffic for the site. So you have to be able to make those decisions. But Google gives us all the tools that we need to be able to be nimble and say, I'm actually going to turn off FAQ schema on that page or I'm going to put links in the answers to try to increase traffic to other pages. But you have to be dynamic like that and like. You know, we have some clients where actually earning a featured snippet reduced traffic because the answer's right there in the SERP. So it's like, if that's the case, turn off the ability for Google to pull featured snippets from that page, you know? So it's good because it keeps us busy, but uh, it's it's kind of an oversimplification to say that Google's taking all of it and there's no other way to get that traffic back. Right. One, one thing I want to add on about the featured snippets, we've got clients that think of that as like a branding play. So it's not always bad that, you know, they didn't get the traffic as long as it's like, oh, such and such brand was seen here. So it all depends on what your goals are as well. For sure. Yeah, totally. And we also have another question from Anthony. Thank you guys for all the engagement. We really love it. So Anthony, thanks for joining. And he asks, I've been working on service pages. What's something memorable or impactful you've seen across layout, copy related, et cetera, on service pages and home pages? Service pages, like local service pages, or just like yeah, he didn't. Let me see if he specifies. I mean, I don't know. Do do we know what a service page is, Mike? You have a assumption. Um, I'm gonna assume the local service pages, and yeah, because I did a lot of stuff on that, like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and what I used to see is like. All right, so let me take a step back. So I used to work for this company that was like a basement waterproofing network or whatever. And they had, um, you know, their core like product pages and they had service area pages. Right. And what I did is I had us focus more on the service area pages because there's more, you know, potential traffic on the long tail with all the combinations of city states and all that other stuff. And so once we started adding more components to it that like really grounded in that area, like. I think we were pulling in gas price feeds and like news stuff and so on. Those sure. pages exploded in um, rankings and traffic. 
So in answer to the question, I mean, the more that we can make those pages more robust, the better they perform. And I think a good example of that is what Home Depot does. Like they do a great job of really localizing that content and filling the page up with stuff that people actually want to read. And then they end up ranking really well. Yeah, for sure. It's funny because uh, Home Depot's always the example that I use as well when I talk about local service pages or local landing pages. I'm actually going to be recording my presentation for Local U later today, so I'm going to be talking a lot about local landing pages and everything, but to your point, Mike, uh, it's, it's a challenge in many ways because there's also this notion of doorway pages, which is against Google's guidelines, and they actually specify in the guidelines that if you just have the same page and the only thing you're changing is the name of the city or the state or whatever, that's actually a doorway page. So there's this gray area between like what's necessary. Work. Yeah, what's necessary to rank as a local business. And of course, Home Depot needs those pages. That's how they make money online. Mm -hmm. And then there's like literally Google's guidelines that you could potentially be violating by building these pages. So how do you differentiate in some cases 3,000 pages that are basically saying the same thing for 3,000 different cities? It's a big challenge, but it's again, keeps us busy as SEOs. You have to get really creative. How do you do it? You use GPT-3. <laughs> That's but, cheating. But um, the other thing that I wanted to say is like, I mean, a lot of those guidelines don't necessarily align with how Google operates or how the modern web, web is now. Like technically, dynamic serving would be considered cloaking by the definition of right. as as would like an adaptive website. So I think to some degree... They have to like go back to those and be like, all right, for the modern web, this is, this is what <laughs> these guidelines should be. Um, also, good point. Just wanted, wanted to give a shout out to Anthony. I haven't seen him online in mad long. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Anthony. Yeah, and I, and I didn't realize if we did ran up on time like this. <laughs> I had like ten questions. Right? It was all good. But I'm curious from both of you guys. Like, what do you? What has been the most impactful Google update over the years? Is there any update that you guys wish you could do away with, and why? Panda, I don't wish I could do away with it. I, I it's the most impactful. impactful. Yeah, because that that was really like a turning point for SEO. Like it, it was all about just tinkering and making SEO content, and then it became marketing like overnight after Panda. Yes, I think Panda was probably the most impactful in terms of changing Google's results. I think Penguin was probably pretty close, and then there was like. Penguin 4.0, 3.0, Panda 2.0, and all the iterations of both of those updates. Um, I do think the August 1st, 2018 medic update was very impactful in a certain niche. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of what I work on is if you are a health and medical site that was impacted by that update or some of the subsequent updates, you felt that in a very big way. I've had some sites that have lost 70 to 90% of organic visibility in the last few years. So those are all kind of equally impactful depending on, first of all, if you were breaking the rules, second of all, <laughs> what industry you're in. Mm -hmm. um, but I think if I could do away with one, I've said for the past couple of years that the May core update of last year, I felt like was a, like a misfire. <laughs> so <laughs> didn't like that update very much. There, there's a lot, I've, I've witnessed a lot of misfires. And so I, I think that is more where, if anything, when we've had to like, discuss updates has been a, re a reflection of those misfires. But I also see that Google tries to fix those 
relatively quickly. So like sure. what will happen is like client is like, what do we do? We need an audit. Da, 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 da. And then we, we're like, okay, well, all the things we already told you to do are the things that they're looking for here. And then exactly. they, they start doing stuff, but then Google rolls back some component of that update and then things shoot up and they're like, wow, you guys are geniuses. I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> You're like, I did that. I did that. But it's not necessarily a function of anything that we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Now, we got a question from Ori. Thanks for joining. He says, hey, big, Ori. Question, big question. What would be a practical way to integrate EAT into business strategy for in-house SEO and getting stakeholders involved? That's all, Lily. It's a good question. For those who don't know, Ori is the male version of me on the other side of the world who has been talking about EAT for a long time. So I'm glad you asked that question, Ori. Um, what is the best way to get into EAT integrated? Um, I think one thing that we're doing a lot of with our clients is like kind of bridging the gap between the experts that exist on the staff and what's demonstrated on the website. So a lot of the times there's like a disconnect. So like we have a tax client, for example, where they have tax experts on staff that like aren't featured in the website in any capacity or aren't like reviewing the content or something like that. Or maybe they speak at tax conferences or whatever the case may be. And it's like, do you guys put that information on your site? Like, do you guys have those experts put their name behind the content? So we're doing a lot more of that where it's like leveraging the actual experts and the resources within the company and just making sure that those things are depicted well online. So start with that. Yeah. And we, we actually have one. Can we have, do you have time for one more? I, are you guys ready? All right, so I was like, I'm just I didn't know if you had a hard stop. I didn't know if you had a hard stop. So, so all right. So Lily, this, this one is for you, right? Um, this is like non-related to SEO and all that stuff. So you're in a big Coachella. Like, what, what you're playing for Coachella? What's the one song oh. that describes you? What song are you playing? What's the first one that you drop? Oh, jeez, Coachella. Yes, you, you're the biggest event <sighs> ever. Like, like Lily Ray. What are you playing? Oh my. <laughs> well, I don't really play disco, and like when I'm really DJing, I play techno. But I would still play Shaka Khan in that situation. There you go. Ain't, no, ain't nobody by Shaka Khan. That song is the jam. Like no matter what party you're at, if you're at a wedding and somebody plays that song, that's the moment when everybody cries. Like everyone's on the dance floor. So that's my song. I uh, think. And then la last question. You know, I want to hold you got both of you up. But um, what is one project that you're both really, really proud of? What is one like SEO project that you've done that you worked on? You was like, damn, that worked really well, and I'm so proud. <laughs> you know, what, what is one thing that you don't mind sharing? You want to go first, Mike? No. <laughs> i'm gonna think while you're talking <laughs> all right well I, ha I do have a few um there's a client that's a, a pet client that's all i'll say that i've had on and off between my last i've been with this current agency amsiv for three years three plus years and then the one before that for six years and this client came from that last agency kind of like followed me which was really cool um so i've had them on and off for like six or seven years now and uh, it's been such a pleasure to work with them. It's just been like such a successful thing. The CEO gives me hugs and is like, you've completely changed our business and our company. So yeah. love you guys. If you're watching this, you're the best. Yeah. You know who you are. Um, I, I have a lot of them, but just kind of in the same spirit of what Lily just said, I have one client that had been getting hit by every single algorithm update for five years prior to mm -hmm. working with us. And, you know, I came in and we did like some workshops and whatever, and they were completely on board with everything that I said so much so that they built like a whole SEO engineering team around what, you know, we were trying to do. 
Amazing. And, um, you know, basically like up until the pandemic or whatever, they had all these people just like executing on all these ideas that we agreed with. And we, we basically recovered the traffic that they had before, like before the five years of algorithm updates and they're growing beyond that now. So that's, that's a, a good story because of the fact that like they were just getting repeatedly crushed over and over. And then we came in and it was like, yeah, everything is all sunshine and rainbows now. Um, Love it. <laughs> and then the other one is, is a financial services client that we worked on. And, you know, we did a lot of great work like leading up to the pandemic, but it's in the home lending space. And then once, you know, the pandemic went crazy, like everyone wanted to buy a house. And so all this work that we did kind of preemptively mm. just like that we've, we've gotten them the best numbers they've ever had month mm. over month for a year. So it's, it's been amazing. And then just coming into 2021, it's continued. So it's been, it, it's been a rocket ship of success that I'm really proud of, like what the team has been able to do there. Like awesome. yeah, out in there. Shout out, but shout out to them. They know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm, as a matter of fact, I, I do have, I have mad questions. I'm sorry. But like, like one last one, like, so you guys are like my thought leaders in a space. You guys, you know, very revered in the industry. Who do you guys look up to? Or like, who's the bar when you say like, hey, Lily just came up with something or Mike just came up with this new blog. Like, what's the competition like in that space? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's I don't of, know. Mike, do you, do you have anybody? Well, I mean, as you as he was asking that question and I knew where it was going, I was like starting to tear up a little bit because Hamlet was that for me. Yeah. So um, yeah. He, he's a guy that like when he would put a blog post out, I'd be like, Shh, like, what? Like, <laughs> he's crazy. another level, another yeah. level. So, yeah, Hamlet. Good answer. Good answer. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it just depends on uh, what what topic you're talking about. There's there's subject matter experts in different areas, so I don't think that there's a single person that's like I want to be that person or like you know aspire <laughs> to be that person. Glenn Gabe is a good friend and, and mentor of mine that I every day I'm amazed by his brilliance. Um, Marie Haynes, obviously, we talk about a lot of the same things. Bill Slavsky is just amazing, and Joy Hawkins. Like there's, it just depends what category you're talking about. But yes, Hamlet, rest in peace. I love you. You're such a brilliant mind, and uh, hopefully the industry can pick up where he left off because he was just one of a kind. For sure, for sure. So we'll, we'll we'll leave on that note, man. And you know, I thank you both for for taking time because I, I was kind of quiet. I wanted to just learn from you guys too. <laughs> I learned a lot this episode. So thank you for all the comments. Thank you for everybody for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Um, really had fun this episode, Lily. Thank you for joining us and taking time out your day. Truly appreciate it. And for all those who are you know come back next week. We have Chris Jones, VP of Communications at FanDuel coming on. We'll be talking about the, the future of sports betting, branding, digital marketing, everything above. So thank you again for joining, guys. And we'll see you next week on Rankable. And do awesome. like, share, subscribe. Come on, guys. <laughs> hit the bell. Hit the bell. Hit the bell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, thanks again. See you guys. <laughs> Take care. Later.